You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. You got your Bibles? Hopefully you have your Bibles. Um, if, if your Bible's on your phone and you're watching on your phone, get a real Bible. Get a, get a paper Bible. Um, if you'd open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, that would be amazing. I loved Paul's challenge to us um, last week, Paul Zanardo's challenge, to be a people who are growing in maturity. Um, just such an, a, a great preach. One of his points um, was that uh, to be a people who grow in maturity, we need to be a people who grow in wisdom. He's talking about Stephen. He says Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. Um, now, I know Paul won't say this himself because we, you know, as a people, we don't want to promote ourselves. It's kind of one of our values. But Paul's actually written a really helpful book about getting wisdom. Um, it's called Finding Issachar. Um, wisdom and know-how in uncertain times. Such a book for now, such a prophetic book. Um, in the Bible, uh, the sons of Issachar had wisdom. And so it's, it, it, it kind of unpacks that whole thing. Let me encourage you, um, if you haven't read it, go to Amazon or contact Paul. Um, even if you, if you just put something in the comments today, um, we'll make sure you get a copy of that book. It's really helpful. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, we, we want to be a people who are full of the Holy Spirit and who are full of wisdom and all of the other points, uh, the 10 points that Paul preached last week as we grow um, in maturity. So if you found Philippians 4, verse 11 and 12, let's read it. It says this, I have learned, this is Paul writing, he says, I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I love that. I, I want that to be said about my life. I know how to be brought low, and he says, and I know how to abound in any in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Many of us right now, to be honest, are facing circumstances that are not what we'd like to be facing. Um, but you know that, that so much of the Bible was written into context and situations where people were not comfortable. They, they, they weren't easy situations that the Bible was being written into. Paul says this, that I've learned in whatever situation to be content. I want to be able to say that in my life. I want us as a church to be able to say that um, together. Not that I'm, I'm agitated or frustrated or angry. And if I can be honest with you, um, I've probably been all of those things at some point over the last week. Um, but that in whatever situation I face, whatever is around me, that I've learned to be content. If we read in uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, Verse, uh, verse 6 to verse 8, Paul tells us why he's content. I love this. He says, But now that Timothy has come, from, um, come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and your love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. He says, For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live. I love this. Now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. There's this beautiful um, exchange of life and comfort that comes when those that God's called us to build with and we're connected with are growing and maturing, as Paul shared last week, and we're standing fast in the Lord. Whatever season we find ourselves in, we have to remember or, or be reminded, I think at times, that God is unchanging and that our call is unchanging. In Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the unchanging one. 
He, he, he doesn't get thrown by what's happening around us. He is the same. He's unchanging. And our call, or what we're called to as those who are in Christ, is unchanging. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, we've, we, we, we read this often. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you, the unchanging one. I am with you always even to the end of the age. Why is Paul able to say in Philippians, I've learned in whatever situation to be content? I think it's because he knew who Jesus was and he knew what he was called to. He was secure in Christ and who he was in Christ and in what Christ had called him to. He was, he was walking in that purpose. His identity was found in Christ alone, the unchanging one. And he was, he was established. He was secure in Jesus. So he wasn't being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and what was going on around him. Not only that, but he, he knew what he was called to. He was called to make disciples. And not only did he know what he was called to, but he was doing what he was called to. I think that's so key for us. Even in his own, it says in his own distress and his own affliction, he was content and he found comfort in the fact that those that God had called him to minister to were walking and standing firm in the Lord. There was a comfort in that. His contentment wasn't based on what was going on around him. And as a matter of fact, what was going on around him was often horrendous. They were horrible circumstances. The Bible says that he was beaten. He was jailed. He was shipwrecked. He was under house arrest. Some of us know what that feels like. Um, he was hungry. He was stoned and left for dead. It's just like they stoned him. They thought he was dead. They left. Then the, the, the believers came back out and, and prayed for him and up he came. And he was you know, kept carrying on. The situations he found himself in were horrendous. Yet he said, I've learned to be content. I found comfort in Jesus, the unchanging one, and doing what I'm called to, which is to make disciples. Jesus says this, he says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Do we believe that church? That he's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail? Because I see a, a lot of people, um, what, what, what they're sharing, what they're talking about is that the gates of hell are prevailing. You know, like we're, we're being overcome. But Jesus himself says, the unchanging one who hasn't changed from when he said this, that I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I find so much peace in that statement that Jesus is building his church. And then he commands us, as he builds his church, to make disciples. Jesus is calling us back to the original plan. It's the same, uh, uh, same call that Paul was convinced of. That when we're walking in close, intimate relationship with Jesus and doing what he's called us to, not only do we see the kingdom advancing, but there's, there's amazing contentment and comfort even in the face of tremendous trials and hardship. Can I say when we're, we're, when we're not secure in who Jesus is and we're not doing what he's called us to, we will be tossed to and fro. You know, that we, we, we do feel like at, at times we can be overwhelmed. But when we get this, when we understand who he is and when we're actually doing what he's called us to, not just acknowledging, acknowledging it in our head, but actually doing it, then it doesn't matter what we face around us, whether it's, you know, whether we're on mountaintops or we're in, you know, the, the valley of despair. We find our comfort, we find our contentment, we find our purpose 
in him. And in him, we find our peace and our joy and our fulfillment. So that's what Jesus tells his disciples. Um, He tells them to go make disciples. He says this, and I love this. He says, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You'll be baptized. You'll be immersed. It'll be like so much like baptism isn't a little sprinkling. It's not just it's not just enough. It's like immersed. It's soaking. It's overflowing. It's, you know, he says you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now and you will receive power. It's, it, 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 there's this, something that happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's Acts 1 verse 5 and verse 8. Jesus gives us this enduring command and then the empowering to see it fulfilled. Go make disciples. And then he gives us his very spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ, to come dwell in us, to empower us to that task. Go make disciples by teaching them all that I've commanded you and witness, reach people. Um, you know, the, the, the process of discipleship, show them, model it through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. This is the number one thing that was on Paul's list from Acts 6 last week, to be full of the Holy Spirit. The first thing, when we, when we did our discipleship group training class, the very first point is this, to be people who make disciples, we have to be people who are full of the Holy Spirit, constantly being full. We can't make disciples of Jesus without the presence, the, the, the leading, the power of his spirit in every aspect, not just a one-off, not just a, you know, a, a, a mental acknowledgement, but the indwelling, abiding, empowering, guiding, leading presence and power of his very spirit in us. In doing, uh, you know, if we try and uh, you know, do it any other way, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It's impossible. Um, we, can't, we can't do it without him. We have to be led by the spirit in everything, every aspect of life. But so much of the church has complicated I think that it's not, it shouldn't be complicated, but we've complicated the simplicity of personal relationship with God and making disciples. We've, we've overcomplicated this thing of intimacy with him, with, with God through his spirit and doing what he's called us to, to make disciples. And in doing so, we've lost our way. We, 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 we lose our peace. We've lost our purpose. We've lost our contentment. Yeah, Paul says, in, in, in any and every circumstance, I've learned how to be content. Why? Because Jesus is unchanging and our call is unchanging. He knew who he was in Christ and he was doing what he was called to in Christ. But when we lose that, we lose our way. We lose our focus. We lose our joy. We lose our peace. We lose our contentment. And that's not how God's intended for us to live. Discipleship um, is something that we've been talking about for a number of months now. We're going to stay on that because that's what we're called to. I think it's going to be something that's that's always woven through. It should be something that's always woven through everything that we preach and everything we talk about um, as a people who are following Jesus and doing what he's called us to. Um, Paul used this illustration last week in his, in his preach, and I loved it. Um, he said, the way that we get good at doing anything is by the same old, at times, boring strokes. Um, you know, doing the same thing over and over. He shared about his father-in-law, who uh, Monica's dad, who represented Australia at the Rome and the Melbourne Olympics, who medaled at the Commonwealth Games. I mean, that's pretty cool. Like he medaled in, in the sport of fencing. 
Um, I know Josh Shepson likes to do fencing. Um, I don't know anyone else who likes to do fencing. Um, but it's one of those like really kind of cool sports. Like, and, uh, you know, he, he meddled at it. And Paul asked him, yeah, well, how do you get good at fencing? He said, by doing the same thing over and over and over again until it becomes second nature. Um, I had a, a friend of mine who, who uh, grew up in Liverpool in England. And a lot of the kids at his high school were at the Liverpool Football Club Academy. So they were signed to play for Liverpool. They all wanted to come through and play in the Premier League. Um, and uh, one of the things that, that the way they developed kids' football skills, soccer skills, was that if you were in the Liverpool Academy, you had to have 2,000 touches on the football every day. Every day. So the way that that happened was that everywhere these kids went, they dribbled a football. They dribbled a soccer ball. Everywhere they went. The school let them dribble a soccer ball through school. The grocery store let them do it. They all knew these kids assigned to Liverpool Football Academy, and this is what they do. They dribble a soccer ball everywhere they go. Because if we want to produce good soccer players, good football players, then they have to do the same thing over and over and over again. It's the same with discipleship. When people see us, they should be like, this is what they do. I love that phrase from Ethan. I'm a Christian. This is what we do. That should be our catchphrase. That should be our, our new hashtag. Um, you know, we, 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 like to, we like to use the hashtag because it's true. Australia for Jesus. It should be Australia for Jesus. The next one, I'm a Christian. This is what we do. It's the same thing over and over and over again. People shouldn't be surprised that this is what we do because it's what we've been called to. There isn't um, a spectacular formula for making disciples. It's doing the same thing over and over and over again until we become more like Jesus and those around us become more like Jesus. As much as we've been talking about discipleship um, and we've been talking around it in a sense, I think there's still um, at times some confusion. Uh, you know, how do we do it? Is it is it one on one or is it in groups? Um, you know, where do I start? Yes, it can be one on one, and yes, it can be in groups. I want to share. Um, share with you four simple things that I think might be help, helpful in helping to clarify discipleship for us and helping us to do it. It's the, it's the same old strokes. It's the, um, we're going to call it the discipleship circle. And it's something that we're going to reference as we go forward um, because we can reference this and just, you know, we might be at different points in this personally and people that we're working with might be at different points, but it's the same thing that we're called to over and over. And I hope it helps bring some clarity to you this morning or whether you're, if you're listening back during the week or whatever time. So the first one is this. In discipleship, we go, what is it? What do we do? The first one is to engage. Engage. I think there's a, yeah, look at that. That's why, for all of you guys that are freaking out, for all you OCD people, about why am I not in the center of the screen? Because if I was watching, I would have been freaking out. He's not in the center. I'm sure people are messaging Carla. He's not in the center. Um, this is why, because we got the cool little graphic going on. Um, we're called to engage. That's, that's where discipleship starts, um, to compassionately, with love, engage people. It's not a program. It's not a building. Um, it can be in a building. It can be out, but it's about people. It's about engaging people. Um, it's the, as you are going, make disciples every day in every way. Um, engage with people so you can share the love of Jesus with them. That's how discipleship starts. Whether it's engaging with people who don't know Jesus yet, whether it's engaging with people who do know him, but we're going to bring them through on discipleship, it starts by engaging people. Engaging is about, uh, you know, part of it is about reaching out to people who don't know Jesus yet. Um, one of the things, like when we start to talk about engaging 
you know, uh, we use the phrase the lost. I like to just say that the pre-saved people that don't know Jesus yet, um, that we're all gifted in different ways. Um, we have different sort of giftings. Um, and so we tend to, you know, I think we tend to, to see engaging people in one of three different ways. And this is often through our own gifting. Firstly, is through love. Um, social justice, acts of service, um, giving to the poor, helping the needy. You know, we, we go out on the streets and we take uh, care packs or we give, um, we give sleeping bags to people or you know, we make meals for, for people. Um, you know, we can engage people through love. Secondly, um, often we, we look at engaging people through declaring truth, um, declaring the truth of who Jesus is, teaching, maybe inviting people to a meeting or to a class or to a church service. Um, and then for others who are dif- you know, gifted in a different way, um, they think about engaging people through showing God's love, signs and wonders, praying for the sick on the street, um, you know, moving in the gifts of the Spirit, the uh, you know, release of power. Can I say this? No matter how we're personally gifted or wired, we need all three. We actually need all three if we're going to engage people, that we show God's power, we declare truth, and we do it all through love. It's not one or the other. And if we try and only go to like sort of one narrow definition of it, we miss the fullness of what God's called us to. Some people are really good at showing love. And we need to grow in this thing of bringing Jesus into it. And we need to grow in power. Some people, you know, love to pray for the sick. Um, but we need to grow in caring for the needy. Um, we need all three. And, and you know, th- there might be other ways that you engage your community. Um, the, the, the community that you're, in part, you're a part of, that's, that's good. It starts with engaging people. As, you know, as Gabby always says, stopping for the one. It, start, it you know, starts by opening our eyes and saying, Jesus, show me. And then actually engaging, you know, actually stopping, actually having the conversation. Um, I think we've lost the skill or the art of having a conversation. Um, we've, you know, it, it, I say art because it is an art to have a conversation with somebody. It's confronting. It's yeah, and even, even to be honest, in the church, we've lost the art of having the conversation. You know, asking, you know, what do you mean by that? Um, can I, you know, hey, hi, hey, I'm Matt. Can, can, we, can I ask your name? Um, you know, people freak out. In our society, people are like, why are you talking to me? It's just so, you know, we're, we're removed from conversation. Um, you know, in our church circles, hey, what do you mean by that? Help me understand. Having a conversation is so easy to fire off a text or an email or to reshare a reshared post. And we think that we're, um, we're somehow contributing to the discourse. And all it is is discourse. It's not conversation. And we can do that. And we think we're having an impact because, you know, we're posting uh, scriptures on our social medias. But we never stop and actually have a conversation with the person at the shops or the person on the street or the person in my connect group or my, sorry, my discipleship group. Oh, we should need to have a... We need to have a, <laughs> a dollar in the jar for every time we say connect group and not discipleship group. Um, we have to actually engage with people. That's where it starts. Without this, we're never going to see people get saved and the, you know, this thing falls apart. The, the second thing is this. Um, I, I'm, we're going to unpack these more in the coming weeks. Um, so I'm moving through them pretty quick. The second thing is this, to establish. So we, the, the first in discipleship is to engage. The second is to, uh, to establish. Atten- intentionally establish biblical foundations. Establishing foundations. I mean, that's discipleship. It's not enough just to engage our community and then leave them to figure it out on their own. Because there's so much other stuff out there. We're not just about sort of, you know, know, let me pray that you're healed and then hopefully you find Jesus somewhere in that. No, we want to establish foundations for them to grow and become mature. Um, 
if we're going to do that, then we have to be intentional about biblical foundations. We have to be intentional about it, uh, about giving people um, you know, a grounding or a foundation that will see them through the rest of their lives. Because we don't want people just to have an encounter with Jesus and then flounder through the rest of life. We want to see them grow and mature and set free and then making disciples themselves. We have to model it for them. We have to show them what it is. This is something uh, you know we, we've, we've talked about recently. If you say, well, what does that look like? Uh, we've sort of talked into this. It's just being established in the Word. Being able to, to read and understand um, the Bible and to obey it. There's such an attack on the authority of the Word, even in the church. We have to help people be established that this, this is our standard. This is this shape. Um, who we are, our identity, how we, you know, what we do, what we don't do. I mean, all of the things, like, there's so much, to be honest, in the Bible that we don't do, that we actually don't, you know, we don't even uh, go after. We have to go, you know what, if this is the standard, then let's go after it. If, you know, if the Bible says that they, that they prayed for the sick and they were healed, they raised the dead, they, you know, let's go after that stuff. That they're baptized, that, you know, so that they're established in the word, baptized in water, committed to following Jesus' example. Um, you know, that, 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 that sort of been, uh, the, the old is buried and the new, the, the, the new is, is, is brought up out of the water with Jesus, baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit um, and being added to church. That's what it means to establish the, the, those sort of foundations. Um, we have to model this for people. We have to help them um, establish these foundations in their life. Um, one of the resources that we that we love to use um, to see people established is the Alpha video series. And if you've never, um, you might be listening or, or watching, and you you might go, "I've never actually, I've never seen that." Um, go go have a look. Uh, we can share share a link with you. Putting all the guys that are managing under the pressure, um, but you can contact us. We, we can send it to you um, and go through it yourself. It's actually amazing. It covers all of these areas um, in a real and, and powerful sort of video series that literally anyone can take somebody through. So you might go, well, I don't know how to, to pray that somebody will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, then we can teach you about that because that's, that, that's foundational. But also, you know what? You can do this video series and it's going gonna, it's gonna to show you how to do it. Um, it's, a, it's amazing. It's a resource that we love to use. So engage, establish. And the third area is to equip. To equip. Not just to give them foundations, but to strategically equip them to follow Jesus and make disciples themselves. This means activation. It means doing it, not just talking about it. Showing people how to engage with people and then getting them to do it. Um, yeah, th th this is, uh, again, this is why we do stuff like go out on the streets. That we can take people with us and say, this is how we have a conversation with somebody. Now, why don't you go to the next person? And people go, oh, and we don't just throw them under the bus and go, you know, you're on your own. We go, we go together to do it, but it's, it's saying we have to do it. We have to put it into practice. This is what it looks like to pray for the sick. Um, you pray with me this time. Okay, now you go and pray on your own. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's putting it into action. This is how we live full of the Holy Spirit. This is how we hear God's voice. We can't equip people in something that we're not willing to walk in or live in ourselves. We have to be doing it ourselves so that we can equip others to do it. If we're going to say, hey, we, we, we want you to live a life full of the Holy Spirit, then we need to be living lives full of the Holy Spirit. If we, we need to be spending time in his presence so that we can say, guys, this is how you do it. We model it for them. That's what it means to equip. We can't equip somebody in something that we're not willing to do because we have to be a model for them. 
Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's, it's not become like me because we want people to be disciples of Jesus, to become like him. But he says, I'm following Christ as well. You, you can imitate my example. I love that. We don't just want people sitting, listening to us speak. We want to see people putting into action all that the Bible says we should be walking in. So that's why we even why we change the name of you know, even our connect groups to discipleship groups. We don't want it to just be connection or just be discussion. It has to be putting into action. And to be honest, it has to be more than just an hour and a half or two hours on a, a weeknight sometime. This is, this is life. It's every day in every way. The final point. So we have engage, establish, equip. And the final point is to empower. That we have to be empowered to then go make disciples. Um, yeah, this is a, a, a replicating circle that we want to see people released to. The point is that we have to empower people and release people quickly to do it. We don't want to say, you have to have been in the church for three years, done all of the, the classes, ticked all the boxes, and done all the things. This should be a fairly quickly replicating circle because as we do it, we want to release others to do it. This is what Paul's talking about when he says, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. There's this beautiful, like, um, self-replicating circle, Jesus-replicating circle. Um, many people are, are discontent, frustrated, distracted, getting caught in all sorts of, of, of secondary stuff because they're not actually doing what God's called them to do. You might be watching today, you might be listening back, and you're frustrated about stuff. But can I ask you, are you doing what God's called you to do? If you can't honestly say yes, then let today be a heart change moment. Shift your focus. Shift what you're giving your time to. Begin to step out. Engage, establish, equip, empower. Engage, establish, equip, empower. Um, I think so often we're waiting for some leader in the church to give us you know, a position um, to give us permission before we actually begin to do it. If you're waiting to start making disciples until you have a position, can I say you've totally missed the focus of the gospel and what God's called us to. You don't need a position to make disciples. If you're waiting for a position, you're thinking hierarchically, not kingdom. So it's the same old boring strokes, but it's, uh, you know, sorry, not sometimes boring, usually exciting strokes. Engage, establish, equip, empower. Engage, establish, equip, empower. We do the same thing again and again and again. 2,000 touches on the football a day. Engage, establish, equip, empower. What are you doing to engage? What are you doing to establish? What are you doing to equip? What are you doing to be empowered? And we just go through it again and again and again and again until we get to go be with Jesus. Um, you can do this one-on-one. -on -one. You can do it in a group. What will happen is that if you start one-on-one, -on -one, your one-on-one -on -one will quickly become a group because if you do this, more people get added. As soon as you say to, you know, hey, I'm going to engage and I'm, you know, we're doing it one-on-one, -on -one, you, will you engage with me? Well, suddenly you just engage two other people and your one-on-one -on -one starts to become a group. Um, dads and moms, start with your family. Start at home. You, you, you might go, well, you know, how, how do I do this? Uh, you know, while we're in lockdown, there's a lot of ways to get out. There's so many people in your park or at your local cafe or um, but you can do this 
even with your family. Start with your family. Your kids are already hearing enough fear and enough junk on the news and from their friends. They need to hear you talking about what Jesus is doing. They need to hear you, dad. They need to hear you, mom, talking about how Jesus heals, raises the dead, sets people free, can set them free from fear. They need to see you modeling being filled with the Holy Spirit. They need to see you modeling spending time in his presence and modeling passionate worship and modeling a life that sold out for Jesus. Don't don't wait until we can gather together for some leader in the church to model passionate worship for them. Model it for your kids at home. It starts with you. You can start with your kids. You can start with those that you're already close to. Um, Knock on the doors that are right in front of you. Literally, you can't go further than 5Ks from your home. So knock on the doors that are right in front of you. The people that walk by your house every day. The cafe that you go to. The supermarket you go to. Where you get your petrol. Young people that are watching. Start with your friends. Start with your friends right now. If you share Jesus with somebody, then follow them up. When you engage somebody, follow them up and say, hey, can, can we get together for a coffee? Do you want to come over to my house for a meal when we're allowed to have people to our house? Or can we meet in a park for a meal? Can we go sit in our front yard? Like, <laughs> I love that Gabby's, uh, the guy that she, that she reached out to, the, the beautiful Afghani man, comes to the front yard. Um, that's that's the, the time we find ourselves in. We can get frustrated about it or we can say, you know what? We can minister to people in the front yard. That's cool. I love it. Um, too much of the church, I'm going to finish on this, I think including myself at times, has settled for building the church and disconnected from this circle of engage, establish, equip, and empower. We have to come back to being disciples who make disciples. We've made it engage by inviting someone to church or doing an event. We've made it get somebody else to do the foundations class with them. Try and get our equipping just on a Sunday morning or, you know, we send people off to a three-year course or we get it through some podcast somewhere. Be empowered to live a better life, but not to actually engage in making disciples. That brings conviction to me. We've disconnected from relationship and making disciples. We've isolated ourselves and at times we've institutionalized the discipleship process. And we wonder why it doesn't work. And we wonder why we're left feeling discontent with our lives, with the church, with all the things. Whatever place we find ourselves in, whatever place you find yourself in today, whatever challenge you're facing, whatever personal stuff you're going through, I want to remind you, God is unchanging and our call is unchanging. God is unchanging and what we're called to is unchanging. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 says, and Monica shared this uh, in the intro, for the love of Christ, the love of Jesus compels or controls us to have to go be a people who make disciples. It's the love of Jesus that motivates and compels us, not only to witness of who Jesus is, but to make disciples of him, to engage, establish, equip, and empower, engage, establish, equip, and empower. Don't wait until... COVID's over. Please, don't wait until everything's perfect. Don't, don't wait until some, some time in the future when you think it'll be easy. Do it now. Do it scared. We have to start somewhere. Church, I, I, I'm imploring you. Even if you're not part of Melbourne Life Church and you're listening to this and you're watching this, I implore you, be a disciple maker. Be somebody who has an intimate relationship with Jesus and is making disciples of Jesus. Can I pray for us this morning? Oh, Lord. Oh, Jesus. We want to be disciples 
who make disciples. We love you, Lord. Let, us, uh, let, it, let it be said of us that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, no matter what, we, what we're facing, let it be said of us that we're, that we're close to you, that we're close to you and that we're doing what you've called us to. Let it be said of us that we're a people who are content, who are full of joy and peace because we're close to you and we're doing what you called us to. Whether things get easier around us or whether things get harder, let it be said of us that we're disciple makers. For those that are feeling far away from Jesus today, I want to invite you to come close. For those that feel far away from you, Jesus, would you bring them? I want to invite you. If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, as we heard in the, the Pat Steele uh, testimony with the Uber driver, he wants to give you his joy. He wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants, to, he wants to save you. Turn to him. Run to him. Get on your knees in your living room if you have to and cry out to him. You don't have to repeat a prayer from me. You cry out and say, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, set me free. You, you do it right now where you are. Though we thank you. We thank you that you love us. For those that need to start discipling, do it now. Do it this week. Do it today. Ask God to show you who you can disciple, who you can engage, establish, equip, empower. Engage, establish, equip, empower. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that your presence is here with us. Help us to keep growing in this. Lord, even as we look forward to Wednesday night with, with Pat, Lord, and our discipleship group launch, Lord, we just pray for a release of power, Lord, and almost in a sense for like light globes to go on, for the penny to drop for us, Lord, that this, yeah, that, that we actually step out. We don't just talk about it, but we do it. We're going to be a people who do it, Lord. Thank you, Lord, in your precious name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.